I, I'm excited about this morning. I'm excited about what God is doing. So we're in summer shorts. This is part two of our summer surge. And so summer shorts is the fact that for at least one month out of the year, I get to wear shorts here in Tampa, you know, uh, and which m- many of you may be glad. Don't ever do this again. But the, the, uh, the, 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 the emphasis, the focus of summer shorts is really about taking a, a big, big idea, theological idea, and just for, just, just for a Sunday morning, taking it down into a simple thought into a way that to explain it that is real and applicable to us. And that's what I want to do this morning, um, and I believe God is going to speak to us. Have you seen Princess Bride? It's, you know, it's one of the great all-time movies in the world. Um, but Princess Bride is a very uh, uh, ironic and sarcastic uh, movie through the whole thing. But in, 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 in this movie, whether you've seen it or not, our hero, Wesley, is in the torture chamber of doom. I think that's what it's called. And, and the bad guy is sucking out the life from Wesley. I mean, literally draining his life to, all the way to the point that he dies. They, the, his companions come and, and grab him and, and takes him to, I think it's Miracle Max, right? Uh, 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 Billy Crystal's most famous role. And uh, uh, so he, uh, they take him to him to, to try to get him better, to try to, to try to see if they could do anything. And they, 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 he, he says, what are we going to do with him? And he says, well, let's see what he has to say. And he said, what do you mean? He's dead. <laughs> he, can't, he can't do anything. And, and, of course, the famous line of the whole movie, he's not dead. He's just mostly dead. And I thought about that because he says mostly dead means that you're just a little bit alive. And you're thinking, Greg, what does that have to do with a big theological point? Actually, it's everything. Because I believe God wants us to understand that so often we live a little bit alive, which means we're mostly dead. We don't really understand what God has for us and what God wants to do in our life and how God wants to speak to us and how God wants to use us. And I believe that comes directly from this big theological idea that we're going to break down in just a few minutes to try to understand what God wants us to understand, which is what is and how do we live in the body of Christ? What does that mean? Is it a church building? Is it this? Is it that? What is the body of Christ? And that we could literally, as I, as I was studying this this week, and I really felt God laid this on my heart, because it's really the, the, the second step. Last week we talked about justification. And if you want to say, oh, what's that? Just go back and watch that video. I think it might help you. But this is the next step in all of this. Understanding, okay, we have been justified. Jesus has saved us. We have a, a new creation in us. What, how do we live that? What does that mean to be in the body of Christ? And how do we become uh, not just a little bit alive? You see, God doesn't want us to live that way. God doesn't want us to live a little bit alive and mostly dead. God wants us to live totally alive. And this morning, I want to talk about living alive. And you think, isn't that redundant, living alive? Yes, that's exactly right. We need to understand what it means because so many are living a little bit or living just a getting by here, getting by here, and I really believe that it comes from a, a lack of understanding of what the body of Christ is, who we are, and how we relate to one another and what's going on. And so to begin, I just want to lay a couple of foundational scriptures to help us understand where to launch from. And the first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. And I love the way it begins. Now, now, that means there's a change. 
This isn't just a, a soul word. There's, there's a change here. Now you are the body of Christ. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. So nobody's left out. Absolutely nobody. If, if you've made that change, if you've done, as we talked about last week, that justification where you've given your life to Christ, now you are, uh, by, uh, by design of God, you are the body of Christ. You are in the body of Christ. Each one of you, you're all a part of it, right? If you've given your life to Christ, now you're there. Now let's go on to the next verse that helps us understand a little bit clearer what does that mean. It, because in the next verse Put it up, Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 says, In Christ, in Christ, these little prepositions make a difference, and we'll talk about those. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. So we have become the body of Christ. Now that we have given our life to God, we have become the body of Christ. What does that mean? And now that we are in Christ, we actually have, the body of Christ means we are full. We have this fullness. What does it mean? to have the fullness of God in your life. What does that mean, that God is completely in you and God moving in you? What, how, how do we understand that? And I, and I want to lay out just five very simple thoughts that will help us understand what does it mean in a very practical way, in a way that's going to help you this afternoon. Understand what does it mean to be in the body of Christ. And the first is this, because we have to learn how to not live a little, not be a little alive, and mostly dead, but live it, be full alive, fully alive in what God is doing in our life, right? So here's the first thought. Living alive means living in something greater. So this isn't just becoming a member of a club, and then you have some, you have some rights, you have some privileges because you have, yeah, I'm, I'm part of this club, and I can do this, I can play golf here, or I can do that. No, 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 no. It's something so much greater than what you ever thought you were. It takes you, you are now part of the body, but this, this you has become, because of what God has done, so much greater. And I've heard over the years, it's been really interesting to me, when couples have a really difficult time, and they're struggling, and they have children, and so for the children's sake, they decide to live with each other. They decide to just be with you. And, and what that means is they're just going to be there for the sake of the kids. They're not going to get a divorce and, and move on. They're just, they're just going to be with them. This is, this is living, having a, a little bit of a marriage. It's a terrible thing, and it's something that, that is a, actually a plague across our, our whole nation of how do we love one another? How do we uh, be together? How do we understand that? And all of this ties in together because you cannot be a great husband or a great wife and not understand the body of Christ as a believer, as a Christian. And what does that mean to, to with each other? Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21, real quick. Ephesians 3, 21 says, to him be glory in the church, to God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. So, God's glory is in us, in the church. That's you and I. That's the body of Christ. And the reason is, is because we're in Christ. Okay? It doesn't just happen because, okay, well, this is what happens. You do this and I give this. No, no, no. We, are, we have the glory of God in us. We have the fullness of God in us because we are actually in Christ. Uh, the church, the body of Christ, cannot, is not just living um, with Jesus. 
It's something more profound. It's something different. It's something greater. And I think a lot of times people come into a relationship with Christ, give their heart to Christ, and decide, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm, I'm going to live with Jesus, <laughs> which means, okay, I'll do some of the things you want and these other things I don't want, so I'm not doing those. And we have this just whiff, you know. We're just hanging out, you know. We're just being together. And God has so much more. Uh, to have a salvation, the real salvation that Christ has given us means we are actually in Christ, We are buried with Christ, and that means we are covered with Christ. That means the fullness of everything that God is in us is in us. The fullness of all that, and not just to live with, not just to to hang out with. And I I just think it's too easy just to hang out, and I'll do this, and I'll show up here, and I'll act this way, and not understand the power and the fullness that God has. I was watching one of the Nature Channel things. (laughs) It was pretty interesting. They had this, this grizzly bear that had hibernated or had been in this tree, actually a, tr- a hollow tree trunk, the, the whole winter, and now has two little cubs in this tree trunk. But when the, the bear went in, it was all dry land. Now it's, a, it's swamp, and this tree is surrounded by alligators all the way around it. And so this, this bear, you can see, they show this bear looking out, and they say this has never been filmed before that they knew of. This bear is looking out, looking to see it's literally surrounded. It's like a moat around their little home and thinking, what am I going to do? This bear gets out and goes across the water. It's a huge grizzly bear. So the alligators are going, mm, pass, Don't let that one go. And plans out a path, actually goes, gets off, sees where the shortest route is, and then comes back, climbs up into the tree, grabs the head of one of the cubs, grabs it in the head, not too hard, not too soft, but just enough, and then takes it and swims across the water. Now, the alligators are right there, and they're, and they're literally going along with this bear, watching. And as long as that baby bear cub is in the mouth, is connected to the mother, it's, it's good because he's not going to attack. But it's just waiting. Now, he goes, does it, drops it off, and the little bear Scampers on, and then it comes back for the second one. Now, the second one is uh, more like I was growing up. Didn't like this. Well, didn't want to do this. And so it starts to fuss. Mom grabs it by the head, grabs it by the head. But it's fussing and going, I don't like this. Why, why, why do you got my head? This is too tight, Mom. Come on. And it starts to fuss, and the mom's doing everything it can to swim across and not drop it because as soon as that bear drops that little cub, the alligators are there to take it. And I thought about that, and I thought, even, aren't we the same way? God, it's too tight. God, I don't, I don't like this. This is, too, this is a little weird. This is uncomfortable. This, this is, well, God, don't do this in my life, and don't do that in my life. And we want to struggle and just be with him. Let me just swim along. I'm a good swimmer. Come on, let me just swim along with, beside you, not knowing that if we're just hanging out with God, then the alligators are right there. You understand the analogy. You understand what I'm saying. It's really easy. We cannot be, to understand the body of Christ, the first thing we need to really understand is that we are in Christ, not just with him. But the second thought is real important as well. Living a life, if we're going to live this life, if we're going to understand everything that God has for us, uh, living a life means living dependent for who we are. It's not just being in Christ, Everything you are, everything you think, everywhere you go, everything you have, it all belongs to God. 
It all belongs to Christ. It's all his. And if you think, no, I'm uncomfortable with that, you don't understand the body of Christ. Because that's what it really is all about. Look what it says in John 15. Jesus says this in verse 5. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. It's an analogy. Everything comes from the vine is the main root, and everything that sprouts out from that comes from the vine, right? I am the vine, you're the branches. But then it goes on to say the point of the analogy, which is apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And, man, that's hard for us sometimes, isn't it? We just we get, we get a little thick-headed. We think, I can do this, or I want to do this, or I want to do it my way. And you're missing the body of Christ. And Jesus is explaining the body of Christ, saying, the body of Christ is understanding this analogy that I'm the branch, I'm everything. Everything that you have, everything that you need, everything you need tomorrow when you go to work and face that employer or employee. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Don't be, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or that, or that tension in the marriage or that financial stress where you're just, you know, thinking, God, I'm not going to make it. What am I going to do? How am I going to do everything you need? Everything. You see, it all comes from God, which means that it is not an interdependence with God. It doesn't go back and forth. Every analogy breaks down, okay? Every picture breaks down. For example, if I'm explaining the Trinity, Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we say, how do we explain it? Well, it's like a, it's like a three-leaf clover. Uh, yes and no, <laughs> you know, because each one of those leaves are separate, and God is all one. What, so you have one leaf. No, because there's the person of the Father, the person of the Son, and the person of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we forget that he's actually a person. <laughs> an expression of, 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 of a reality that we can't even grasp, can't even understand. So no matter what you do, everything's going to break down. The same is true with the body and the head. Jesus is the head, the Bible teaches us. And we are the body. We are the body of Christ. And the body is attached to the head. So you think, okay, so I, the, the body needs the head. Because if you cut off the head, what, what kind, what, the body becomes a corpse, Right? But somehow along the line, we started to develop this wrong theology that, oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, it's just, hey, I got to have the head, but the head has to have the body. And that's where the analogy breaks down. Because we think sometimes, okay, okay, God, uh, I, I, I need you, but you need me. God is fullness. Jesus is the fullness. And everything that God is, it, it fills us and flows through us. But to think, okay, God, you need me. And we don't say that out loud. <laughs> yeah. uh, I suppose some could. <laughs> but just don't stand close to them when they do. <laughs> but we, we, we do it with our life. God, you need me. God, you need my good thing, you know. God, I'm doing this. We need, and, and the, we're missing the, an important foundational understanding of the body of Christ is everything we are comes from him. He is our life. He is our source. He is everything, every direction. Uh, we need to totally depend on him. As Christians, we are dependent on him over everything, over, over all things. Christ is everything. Because I've actually heard it said, and, and actually it's, it's a really cool song. I love it. We are the hands, you know. I don't know. Somebody sings it. It's going in your head, going in your head. We are the hands, we are the feet, you know, like that. But then some have taken it just a little too far and missed it and says, yeah, we are the feet of God. Without us, he has no feet. We are the hands of God. Without us, he has no hands. No, 
No, because nothing you can do can minimize who Christ is. It says that his fullness fills the whole world. All power, all dominion, all authority, everything has been put under his feet. Now we say, well, cool, I'm, I'm, I'm a body, so it's under my feet. <laughs> well, the point is that he is the authority. He is the power. And, and, I, and I really believe that sometimes we miss how to live a full life because we think it is in us. It is who we are. Instead of understanding, everything comes from God. Everything comes from God. Because here's a thought. We're the body of Christ. Are we perfect? Is the body perfect? No. There's still sin in our lives. There's still things we're working out. There's still things we're working out. So does that mean the body of, of Christ is sinful? Well, in, in this analogy, in this understanding, that's true. But there is no sin. There is no weakness. There is nothing less in Christ. Everything is the fullness in him. But we, we, are, we will be completely without sin one day. The body of Christ will be made spotless and without blemish when we stand before him. That day will come. That's the hope that the Bible talks about over and over. It's going to be there. It will be there. The sin will be no more. Somebody say amen. <laughs> we do that here. It's okay. It's all right. Okay. It's it, man, one day we'll be there, but we're not there yet because we have to depend on him to grow. We have to depend on, you see, if you don't think you have to depend on him, if he's not the fullness of everything I do, everything I think, everything I am, then you could be without him today. Don't, don't go home this afternoon. Whatever you're doing, do something fun, <laughs> eat out, do whatever, but don't do it without him. He is everything. He is our source. He is all that we are. We are, the other analogy, we are children that grow in him and who he is and everything that he's doing in our life. Here's the other thought. Living alive means living interdependent on his body. We are totally dependent on him, but we are interdependent on each other, on you. I need you. I am dependent on you. And whether you like it or not, you need me. And this is how the body works. And, and it, it's so difficult sometimes to wrap our heads around this because the church exists to do the will of the Father, right? The will of God. Christ is the head. So Christ will guide us. He'll lead us. He'll direct us. <laughs> He's directing the church, right? So we, we, do, we exist for this. But look what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Just real quick, it says, Romans 12, 5. There it is. In Christ we, though many, many, all of our minis here. Although many form were one body. There are many here, and we are in all these different chairs, but we're actually one body, and each member belongs to the others. Now, the word belong is not in the original Greek, but the idea of that work that's there conveys it. We are actually interconnected. We, we, there, is a, there is an attachment to you and to me that we have to understand in the body of Christ how important you are to me. And we miss this. And, and there's a couple of ideas that this expresses that's important for us to understand is that there is a, we are equal. There's an equality. Now, I'm a pastor. Ooh. So, uh, you know, and that's my gift. That's the thing that, that, that I do. You have gifts. All of us have gifts. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Every one of you have gifts. But we work together, but I am no greater than you are in the body of Christ. I just have a different role, just a different function. 
than, than maybe you do. But we're all equal, so there, you have to understand that. Uh, male, female, whatever, first-time uh, uh, believer, early believer, someone that's been there for, for believing, trusting, growing in God for 80 years, all the same, all the same, all the same. As far as our dependence, as far as our connection, as far as our relationship with one another, we are inter- interdependent upon one another. I need you, you need me. Which means, stay with me, don't, don't throw anything at me just yet. Which means there are no privatized Christianity. There are no privatized Christianity. That's not the body of Christ. That's not what the body of Christ means. And if I had the next three hours, I could explain and lay out a hundred verses that reinforces that over and over together. We're a body. We're connected. We belong to each other. We belong to who we are. There's no private, privatized Christianity, and there is no, listen to me now, there is no private faith that isolates us from one another. Now, we all each have to have faith, and that's our, individually with God, but as soon as I have my faith that connects me to God, guess what? I'm just connected into your faith. My faith is there. So some people understand what I'm saying. Some people would think, oh, man, church is so screwed up. And I'm not arguing with you. There's some things out there. So I'm just going to love Jesus and have everything to do with the church structure, whatever. And that's missing the understanding and the foundation of the body how we relate to each other, how we're connected to each other, how we are interlinked to each other, that we can't just say Jesus, yes, in church. No, that doesn't work because this is what the Bible teaches, that there is no vertical without the horizontal. There is no vertical relationship between us and God without our relationship with one another. You think, oh, I don't know. Is that right? Well, let me give you a verse. Because the Bible says, if you come to God with an offering, if you come to God to worship him, if you come to God to praise him, and you got something against somebody, or they got something against you, <laughs> don't even bother. Walk away. Don't, don't even bother. Don't stop right there. Nope, nope, stop. God literally kicks us out of his presence. What? That doesn't seem right. But this is what he wants to understand. You're a body. You're connected. Your relationship to one another is absolutely critical in how we love each other, how we care for each other. So, you, so some might think, okay, I just gave my life to Christ. I just became a Christian. So should I, should I join a church? Too late. You are. <laughs> that's the point. Too late. You're it. Everything you complain about the church, that's you. Because we're all connected. We are there. That's who we are. That is our relationship and how we are connected. And the only thing you need to do is find the local body, find the expression, find the connection of, a, of believers that you can associate with and connect with and become stronger. He said, well, Greg, what about sometimes the, the church doesn't seem like it's all there? <laughs> I love Revelation for no other reason than this. There's seven churches that are listing in it. And in those seven churches, five of them, Jesus says, you guys are a bunch of clowns. You guys screwed up. You guys, big stuff, important stuff. In other words, they, they weren't all right. And you say, okay, well, what about the other two? So 71% of the churches in, in Revelation aren't, aren't right, right? And, and, and well, well, that means 29% are. I'm just going to go find that 29% church. You can find it. 
It's in Iran, Afghanistan, and Iraq, and other places. Because the other two churches, you know what they were dealing with? Severe persecution and struggle and all these things that were coming against, attacks of the enemy. That's what's going on there. I find that correlation amazing, personally, that the more struggle or persecution that comes against the church, then the more God's able to just deal with things in us that aren't right. Makes me wonder next time I'm thinking, man, we are getting attacked. I might be thinking, maybe God's doing something in your life as well. So as a body, we have to understand what God is saying to us. And that because it's far worse, it's far worse than not finding a local body than uh, and get into one that's not right than just avoiding it altogether. Let me, let me focus on this. Living alive means living, means living to serve others. It means living to serve others. We all have gifts in the body. I told, we talked about that. I have a gift. You have a gift. But I think we get gifts wrong. Because when I hear gifts, you know what I think of? Christmas. <laughs> love gifts. Love Christmas. Come on, how many love Christmas? Most of you do. The rest of you are lying. So the point in church, and so that's not cool. We love gifts, and we think that it's a gift. But that's not the way the gifts are used in the New Testament. The gifts that we have have been given to us so that we can give them away. What is your gift? What is it that you have? It's not to say, I got this good gift. It's not like a Charlie Brown's kids, you know, where they go Halloween, Halloween trick-or-treating, and they I got candy, I got chocolate. And Charlie Brown, I got a rock, you know. You have something. You don't have a rock. <laughs> you have something that God wants to give through you. We all have gifts that God wants to use us. But the point of using that is, that, is to serve one another. Christ was a servant of all. He really was a servant of all. In fact, he says in Luke twenty two twenty seven, he says, I am among you as one who serves. Not just his disciples. He came to serve the broken, the lost, the hurting. He came to serve, bring healing. He came to serve to bring emotional restoration in people. He came to serve and, and to bring a spiritual uh, renewal in their lives. He came to serve. That's what we are. That's what the body is. God put in my heart and Felicia's heart a long time ago that whatever we do, whatever we build, we want to be a place of healing. Healing physically, healing emotionally, healing spiritually. Why? Because that's who Christ is. That's what our head is. And that's what your gift is. However you understand your gift, you say, well, my gift is this. This has to be a gift that serves. How is it serving? How are you serving? How are you giving? This is how the connection works in our life. And here's my last thought. You see, living alive, being completely alive, not just a little bit alive, understanding the body of Christ really is understanding the law Christ, the law of Christ. You think, wait a minute, I thought we got rid of the laws. Now we got another law, <laughs> but this law is amazing. This is who Christ is. Ah, this is who we are because we're the body. In Galatians chapter 1, it says, if anyone stumbles, if anyone trips up, if anyone is caught unaware, and, and they fall and they sin, if you're spiritual, if you live by the Spirit, you are to restore that person gently. Gently. Now, 
if you study this, I, I do. I do all the commentaries. My eyes just start bleeding. <laughs> all reading this and doing this and studying this and doing the original language, all like that. And this is what I found with that verse. No one answered the question. No one answered the question. They just had this little emphasis and this little thought, but they didn't answer the question. And here's the question. Restore? Wait a minute. How do I restore somebody? They've fallen. They're in sin. How do I restore them? What is, what is our role as the body of Christ who are spiritual and living to restore someone who has fallen? How does that work? I thought God is the only one that's supposed to restore, not according to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. And you might say, well, wait a minute. How do I do that? I can't do anything. I, what can I do? The answer is in verse 2. <laughs> and it's profound because this is who we are. Look at Galatians chapter 2. Verse 2, chapter 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Whoa, carry someone else's burden. You know what burden is? That's their failure, their sin, their shame. Are we willing to carry, because this is what the body of Christ is, someone else's shame? Are we willing to carry their failure? Because this is how someone is restored. To have a repentant heart to God, that's foundational. But as they do, they are strengthened and brought into the body. Because someone's willing, I'll carry your shame. Because you know what it says? Because all of you, in verse 1, be careful because anybody can fall. Anybody can fall. So we all realize we're all weak. And we, we need to help someone and carry their, their failures. The Puritans are much maligned. Oh, those old Puritans. But the Puritans had something that's really interesting. Early on, the, their people were so far apart and everything and lived in different places and had such small houses. If There was no dating. <laughs> they were just mating. They're just like, uh, I like you. We'll get married. That's it. Done. <laughs> and so... What, what happened if a guy would go visit a, a girl that he's really interested in and he wants to marry her, then there's no place to stay or anything like that. They had these, something called, it's true thing, true story, bundle beds. A bundle bed is a bed that, that they would have a bar that goes right down the middle. They would put the guy on one side and the girl on the other side. And you think, is that a recipe for disaster or what? <laughs> well, what they would do is this, this board wouldn't keep them, so the, the, the girl would be wrapped in a bundle bag from head to toe. And tied with a special knot. And this special knot wasn't that it couldn't be untied, but if you didn't know how to tie it, then the dad would know the next morning it was untied. How many know what I mean? Okay? Here's the point. The Puritans and everything they did made it really, really hard to sin. They made it hard to sin. But the amazing thing that people don't realize is they made it really, really easy to repent and be restored. In fact, in the New England primer, their number one rule was all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody needs to be restored. And so it would happen. In fact, the president, the uh, out of wedlock um, girls that got pregnant was just about high then as it is now. <laughs> You're thinking, well, that was a bad idea. Maybe it was. Okay. But the point is, when someone did and they repented, they were quickly surrounded in the church. They were quickly restored. 
they were quickly brought back in and said, it's okay. God can still use you. You're not cast out. I won't look down on you. Come on, let's, and surrounded him and brought him in so quick. The problem is I think we have it backwards. We make it really easy to sin. Turn on the TV. <laughs> Turn on, open, a, open an app. <laughs> look, look on your phone. Look at it. Oh, it is so easy. It is everywhere and really hard to get restored pointing fingers. And that is not the body of Christ. Because as a body of Christ, you know who we are? We are those that reach out and carry someone else's burden. Help them to be restored. That word restored means to mend like a broken bone. To take it like a surgeon and carefully wrap it and let it be healed and made, and made right. And that's who we are. You see, if we understand the body of Christ, how we relate how we love, how we're to care, how we're to restore one another, then I believe with all of my heart we will find that life of living that life in a greater way than we can ever imagine. Do you receive the word this morning? Come on, let me, let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I love you with all of my heart. God, I pray for every single person here that maybe they have never really known you, or they're at a place that they really need to be restored to you in their relationship with God. So God, I know that you, have, you love them, and if there's anybody here like that or anybody watching online right now what, like that, God, that you're going to touch their lives, we pray for them. We, we carry their burden, their shame with them, and we ask you, God, to move in their lives right now, and we ask you, God, to forgive them and move in their heart as they repent and restore them to a right relationship with you. I want you to pray with me, if you will. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin. Restore me to a right relationship. Cleanse my heart. I give you my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You say, well, that's too easy. Can't you say a prayer? Isn't that the point? <laughs> Isn't that the point? As we encourage one another and believe what God is able to do, then we find quickly how God restores us in a right relationship. We're connected. We belong to one another. And I know that God will continue to reinforce that.